0: You're listening to Wholesaling Inc, episode number 534. I believe that timing is essential in in dispositions because if you can catch a buyer when they're ready to close or when they're ready to buy, it doesn't matter where the deal came from. If the numbers make sense to that buyer, then they will take a look at that opportunity and possibly buy it.
1: You're listening to the Wholesaling Inc. Podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Hardy. And if this is the first time you've ever listened to me on this podcast, I want to introduce myself. I'm one of the newest coaches and I teach all things virtual investing. Today, I get to talk with my good friend, Jamil Damji. I'm sure you guys know Jamil. He is a awesome investor and he has a particularly interesting skill and dispositions. In this episode, we deep dive and get into it. Jameel has a ton of experience. He's based in Arizona. And we became good friends through just some of the... I don't know, maybe one of my travels. We had met at one point, And I got to know you, immediately loved you. Everybody loves Jamil. You are very entertaining. But not just that. You are extremely knowledgeable. I also am aware that you're very knowledgeable in the area of disposition. So that's the area that I really want to pick your brain later in the show. So everybody, let's welcome Jamil.
0: Hi. family. Just so you know, Lauren, I'm a huge, huge fan of Wholesaling Inc. I love Tom Kroll. I love TTP. And I'm a big fan of yours, actually. I've uh, been following you for some time. And there's women in my life that I have referred you to to say, look at this person. She's so inspirational and amazing. And you should watch her and follow her and, and see all the amazing things you do. So just so you know that the admiration is reciprocated.
1: Well, that's very sweet. I, I'm definitely excited that we finally got to do this. So tell us a little bit about yourself. For those who don't know Jamil, Jamil, what are you doing right now? What are you up to?
0: So I am one of the founders of Kegli. We're a wholesale operation based out of Phoenix, Arizona. We specialize in dispositions, as Lauren said. And what that means is we actually are a business-to-business wholesaler, all right? So we don't go direct to consumer a lot of the times. Out of the, We'll do anywhere between 60 to 80 transactions on a monthly basis. And out of those 60 to 80 deals that we'll do, maybe 10 of them are seller direct. The other 50 to you know 80 or whatever, however many it is, 50 to 70 without the 10, are business-to-business, meaning we're helping other wholesalers sell their deals for more money than they could have got on their own list. And so how we're able to do that is just our technology, our capacity to data mine for really, really high net worth buyers and the relationships that we keep, right? So they trust us, they believe our due diligence when we do it and share that information with them. So we've we've gone a long way in, in being the voice of authority and being that trusted source for wholesale deals for many rehabbers, many buy and holders, institutional buyers and just high net worth people looking for cash flow, wholesalers across the country bring us their opportunities so that we can help them sell them. And it's a it's a different approach, right? If you look at a lot of the training and uh you know I know you've got an amazing course on virtual wholesaling, but it is also in the acquisition realm, right? And so You're showing people how to get deals virtually and you do an amazing job of it because I know you have a thriving business and people who work with you are thriving as well. And sometimes what ends up happening is when they learn how to go out and tie up these deals and get these deals. And if they're not in markets like Orange County where there's just a buyer for everything, they need help selling the deal. Right. And so a lot of, a lot of people getting into the business learn acquisitions and learn it heavy and don't focus on. The other side of the equation, which is where the check comes from. And so what we've been able to do is really fill that gap and be there as a bridge for many wholesalers to get them across the line to a check while they're building up their business and while they're building up their own dispositions.
1: I mean, I definitely want to get into that more because it took me many years to actually realize how big of a deal dispositions is. I did not realize how... I wasn't paying enough attention to the dispo side. I mean, I started as a house liver so I think that that's probably why because I was like the disposition strategy like I would flip the house and so, you know, I didn't really worry about that. But there it was there was a time about like 3 4 years ago where I thought, you know, I am not paying enough attention to dispositions and I have the same person doing on my team doing acquisitions and the dispo like versus separate separating them out. And I thought, well, what if like I had just one department in acquisitions, one disposition department, keep them completely separate. You know, they do work together, but like separate. So because they really are two different roles. And it's really hard to like split yourself and do both. And like a lot of my students, they're doing everything, right? They're doing lead gen, they're doing acquisitions and they're doing dispositions. Like it is a lot. So... For me, when I made that shift, it was a game changer for me. I was getting higher fees. I was doing more deals. It paid for that extra body on yeah. my team. What is your number one favorite way to build your buyer's list?
0: So my favorite way, and this is for anybody that's just getting started. I think that you know the key is when you have a deal under contract, you need a buyer now, right? And so a list is interesting because when you build a list, you're building something that that doesn't have time attached, right? Let's think about the process of list building, right? There's no urgency. There's no, we don't know when that buyer is ready to buy. There's no indicator there. It's just the name and email. And, you know, they have bought real estate in the past or they we've connected with them and they've opted into our list, but timing doesn't become the factor. And so I believe that timing is essential in, in dispositions because if you can catch a buyer when they're ready to close or when they're ready to buy, it doesn't matter where the deal came from. If the numbers make sense to that buyer, then they will take a look at that opportunity and possibly buy it. And so I would suggest that every day for at least one to two hours a day, you look at the MLS or Realtor.com or Zillow.com or PropStream, any of these, any of those services that has real-time MLS information, and you look at the new listings that have populated on the MLS Mm -hmm. for the last 24 hours. And you go through those new listings and you see which of them appear to be a flip property. So which of them appear to have been flipped? And you can tell that by looking at the quality of the picture, right? So typically when an investor flips a house, they get a professional photographer to take those photos and they stage the property. So you're looking for new cabinets, staged living rooms, Mm -hmm. closets with no clothes in it. Right. You can tell that it's a flip. Now you've now identified that this is a flip property. What you then do is you find out who's the owner of that property and you skip trace them and you call them and you say, I noticed that you just listed your property that appears to be a flip on the MLS today. I imagine you're looking for your next next piece of inventory. I have your deal. And that is exactly how you sell a deal and you hack the timing because you've stood in front of that buyer the moment they needed their next deal. who needed their next deal is by being the first person to that buyer with an opportunity when they need it and so what i suggest again is what you do is you go through the mls every day and you time block an hour or two hours and you look at what new property appears to be a flip and you write down the names of all those llcs or those or those people and you note their addresses and then you skip trace that list at the end of one or two hours And then you take the next hour to call them all, introduce yourself and add them to your list or sell them a deal.
1: Yeah. That's some money advice.
0: It's the hack.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's how you find a buyer for your deal right now.
1: It's interesting. It's like you're doing almost like what we do on the acquisition side, sort of, but it's the opposite, right? You know, now it's the disposition side. I bet none of those guys are getting calls. Right. So, you
0: know, the thing it, is, is that we, we typically, when you're looking at the MLS for deals, right? For, like, for instance, say you're an act wholesaler, if you're on the MLS searching for deals, I bet that you see what looks like a flip and you just scroll right past it. You're like, not interested, not interested, not for me, not for right. me, not for me, not for me. Right. But you're scrolling past your buyer.
1: Right. No, that's a good point. How are you getting the buyer's information when you skip trace? Like, Say it's an LLC. Do you get their number from like typical skip tracing or do you have to kind of go an extra step?
0: I have to do the extra step. So I'll go to the Secretary of State website or the Corporation Commission for that state. And then I will search that entity, find out who the owner of that entity is, and then skip trace that owner. So this doesn't work when properties are owned in trusts, because it's really difficult to identify who's the owner of a trust. But guys, People aren't flipping houses and trusts.
1: No, it's LLCs usually. LLCs. Right. Yeah. So, because that's sometimes it gets tricky when they're, you can't find the LLC and then you have to, you know, kind of figure out who owns it and whatnot. So, yeah, yeah this is good advice.
0: Can I share another?
1: Yes. Yeah. Um, absolutely.
0: Okay. <laughs> so, so, say for instance, you're looking for a buyer, like a buy and hold guy or somebody to pay a little bit more money, right? Say you've got a house that isn't a flip property because yeah. it's just nice, but it's it's discounted. Okay. So it's not as discounted as you need it to be for a flip, but it's discounted and it would make an amazing rental. Right. right? So how do you find a cash buyer, a high net worth cash buyer who would be interested in buying instant equity on a property? Right. So this is what I do. So if I'm in Phoenix, which I am, I'll go to Zillow.com and I will search for listings from a million dollars to $3 million. Okay. And and Zillow will then populate for me where all of the houses in Phoenix that are between a million dollars and $3 million are located. And now I know where all the rich people live. And now I know where all of their zip, where their zip codes are. And what I then do is I then go to the county record. I go to the county assessor site and I just box in that one little area where all of the rich people's houses are. And I skip trace all of those individuals and I call them. I literally just call them and I say, hi, my name is Jamil Damji, and I I specialize in finding discounted real estate. I can sell you a house that's got 20% equity the day you close. If you're interested in seeing any of my inventory, I'd love to send it to you. What's your email address? And you'd be surprised at how many people of high net worth will listen intently to that conversation.
1: That is gold. Like this is like outside of the box kind of stuff. But you're right. Like high net worth individuals are always looking for a place to put their money, a place that you know would earn a really good return. And rental properties do you especially buying it with instant equity. I mean, the return on investment is really adds up at that point, especially if they're using all cash. So that's genius.
0: That's amazing. Yeah, so that's just a, that's just the bit, guys, of what we do. You know, our, our, again, our focus is on really on dispositions and being the authority on how to do that at the highest level in this business.
1: That's amazing. Other than real estate, what is because I know you you are a deep thinker. You're all about self improvement and bettering yourself. What are what's like your favorite book of all time?
0: So my my thing, my favorite book is the autobiography of a yogi by Paramahansa Yogananda. That's a mouthful to say. But yeah, I love the autobiography of a yogi. One of my first books that I read uh, about personal development and self-improvement was You Are a Badass by Jen Sincero. Love it. <laughs> I love her.
1: You are a badass.
0: She but, cares. you know, I mean, I remember picking that book up and I had a hangover because I'd been like, just not living my best life, you know? Mm-hmm. And I wasn't in the best spot and I wasn't in the best energy and I needed a change. And I picked that book up and I really was inspired. And, and then I I let that next foot fall in front of the next foot, fall in front of the next. And so, you know, I meditate daily. I, it's a non-negotiable for me. I really believe that when you can still yourself and focus in on nothing and just you, like you who, like you are at the core. The insights you gain from that are the insights of genius right that's where that's where the equations that change the world come from that's where the inventions that that revolutionized the way we move and and think and interact came from and so I try to spend at least a half an hour a day in that space of silence where I can just get to Myself and and see what my highest self has in store for me, and I I love that. I let anybody know who's you know wanting to do more in their life and and trying to get that level of excellence or do something different. It happens inside first. It's not about working your tail off and and your fingers down to the bone. It really isn't. Like if you followed me around all day, people would say that I don't know that he does all that much. <laughs> But what I do, I do at the highest level possible. So I'm not wasting time. I'm not spending my time doing frantic work or activity that's not going to produce for me at the highest level. And because of that, I'm more intentional with things. And because I'm more intentional with things, when I do something, I do it right. Right. And so if you are trying to transcend that, if you're trying to get to that spot, that's like next level, it starts in here and it starts in here. And if you gave yourself five minutes a day of just reflection, you would see an immense difference in your life.
1: I agree. I've read the road less stupid. And so I've tried to meditate and I can't do it. Like my brain just, you know, like, I can't do it. But the road less stupid has what's called thinking time and i am really good at thinking like i'm good at like thinking and so in a way that's kind of like my meditation i mean i'm just not yeah. good at meditating but it's been a game changer i started waking up at 5:30 in the morning so i have time to think i was getting so busy that i had no time to think and i've got kids running around and i've got this coaching program and i've got a wholesale business like i have no time to think and i was making these decisions like Irrationally and like off the cuff, and some of these decisions were not great decisions. Right. But when you have time to just sit and think, you know, you can kind of stop yourself from making like five figure mistakes because you just made this quick off the you know whim kind of decision. So that's like my meditation. I think like if you know, I can't meditate very well, but that that's my
0: that is like awesome. You know, and the the only thing that I would add to that, Lauren, would be in thinking right thinking is not bad. Thinking is great. Like it's awesome to do. The only thing that I would add to that is weed out anything that's negative, right? Like negativity finds a way to fester, manifest and grow. Mm -hmm. If you find yourself going down a negative path of thought, then do the, the trick to letting that go is think of the exact opposite of that. And just, even if it's not real, right even if it's not real right now because the negative thing is what's real in your life think about the exact opposite of the negative thing and focus on that thing and that thing starts to find its way to you
1: that's really good advice so i'm i'm always obsessed with like habits of like successful people and just like what do you do in a day like what is a typical day of a highly successful real estate Investor, walk me through a day in your life from morning. Let's choose a weekday
0: It's not super exciting, so I wake up around five thirty. I will have my coffee, my vitamins, and water, and then I meditate right and uh, once I'm done that before the the ankle broke, um, I would do about an hour of exercise and then once I was done that, I spent another hour with my wife, just chatting, talking, connecting. Having you know us time, and then once that happened, I would be on my way to the office. So I don't get into the office until eleven o'clock. That's just what it is, right? And so from eleven a.m. till about seven, I'm at the office, hanging with my team, helping them through deals. I'm on the front line, so uh, a lot of times people don't don't realize. I get asked all the time, like, "Hey, you know, uh, who could look at this deal for me?" Well, I can't, right? And so. Uh, I'm on the front line. I'm I'm working with my team. I'm helping them work through deals. I'm helping them see things in deals that they may not have seen. We're bouncing ideas off each other. We are we. I'm actively in the business with them all the time. And then you know, come around seven o'clock, I I shut it off. I come home and my wife and I have have supper together. And then I'm in bed by ten.
1: That's awesome.
0: It's really like not. It's simple. It's really structured. Like I'm 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 dad. <laughs> I'm like I'm like, that's you know, I'm just a structured, habitual dude. I do everything in its thing. That's that's why like you'll typically see me in the same t shirt because I have a thousand of them. You know, like or like I, I don't want to waste time on what I'm gonna wear, you know? Mm-hmm. I know exactly what I'm gonna wear. It's the same thing I wore yesterday and it'll be the same thing I wear tomorrow. Just a clean one.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, I think that's good to know because a lot of people like you know, they want to be successful but they don't even know like what to do. Like they don't even realize that they have bad habits. And I think habits are so important because they compound over time. And something that seems like such like like maybe not a big deal like using for example like sugary creamer in your coffee. And you know, you kind of dump it, you don't measure it, you know. I mean, that sugary creamer adds extra calories that like after a while like you've got five extra pounds by the end of the year because you've mm-hmm. been chugging three cups of those a day. Like these little habits, you know? So for me, I, I was never really an early morning riser until like three weeks ago. I don't know what got in me, but I was like, you know, I really need more time for thinking time. And I just need more time in my day. And my kids have hit this milestone where they don't exhaust me as much because they're six and nine. I don't have that need anymore. I used to have this need of like when they would go to bed at eight, like on the dot, they had to go to bed at eight. I needed like two and a half hours just to myself of like silence because they were so needy. But they're not little needy toddlers anymore. And I realized like they hang out and watch TV and like get their own snacks. And like, I don't need that two and a half hours anymore. So I'm don't need to be up till 11 o'clock anymore. So I realized like I could go to bed when they do around nine and I can get up at 530 and my best, like my best mental energy is in the morning. Like I, I do my best work in the morning. So why not like be awake when I do my best work? I might as well be up two hours earlier when I am just like where my brain works the best. i made that change like three weeks ago and I'm like never looking back. Like I am now, a, am part of the 5 a.m. club. I am never looking back. I have been able to get so much work done in that one, like in that, I say the hours between, because usually I don't like really get into the workflow until about six o'clock. So from like six to seven and my kids wake up at seven So from six to seven, I'm usually I'll put in a project that is like a kind of like a push your needle forward type of project, like something that is going to push me forward to like some big goal. And I noticed that that one hour is equal to like four hours in regular time, like four hours of eight to five, because eight to five, you're getting interrupted, you're getting text messages, your kids are running in and out. And you can't really get like that focus that you can when you're completely uninterrupted and nobody is bothering you. Absolutely. So it's always interesting when yeah. you hear like a, a successful person. What time do you wake up? Five thirty. No surprise. Doesn't surprise me.
0: Yep. I'd like to wake up even earlier. You know, if I, I if I could get to bed at nine, I'd wake up at four.
1: Yeah. Oh man. Well, Jamil, it's been a ton of fun. Where can people find you? What are where are you on the socials?
0: So you can find me on Instagram at J-D-A-M-J-I. So at JDamji. I'm on Facebook. So that's where you can find me. That's where you can find some content. That's where you can uh, see me do my thing. And otherwise, reach out. I do respond to DMs. I have a little bit of help now because they've kind of gotten out of control and I was letting them... Like There were thousands and thousands of them. I had no idea there was an entire other mailbox that... (laughs) <laughs> that were requests. I didn't know.
1: The secret mailbox. Yeah, yeah, I didn't
0: know. I thought, like, yeah. oh my God, I'm getting through the primary. And then, ah, there's a general mailbox. A
1: general. What is this?
0: And then I went through and got through the general. And then I was like, I had asked Pace. And I'm like, what's this 99 plus requests thing? He's like, press it.
1: Oh my. And,
0: and then I pressed it. And there were 2,400 messages in there that I had oh. no idea were in there.
1: Yeah. I've done the same thing. I can't say I'm as popular as you.
0: It was weird.
1: That is crazy. But yeah, it is. It's gotten very difficult with the social, especially because the messages come from all these different directions. The three different mailboxes, plus Facebook has a hidden message section. Facebook is out all over the place. Like I can't even figure that out. So I have the same thing. I have a VA help me with people who slide into my DMs. So don't say anything weird. <laughs> Right, because it's not me. And I would appreciate weird, but my VA would not appreciate weird. Anyway, Jamil, this has been amazing. And we should definitely do this again soon. Absolutely. Awesome. All right. Bye. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Wholesaling Inc. podcast. If you guys want to learn more about real estate investing and taking your business virtually, go to www.wholesalinginc.com